0: Our scripture reading this morning comes from Psalm 85, Psalm 85, and our text will be verse 10, mercy and truth have met together, righteousness and peace have kissed. Let's hear that in the context of Psalm 85 as we hear God's holy word. Lord, you have been favorable to, our, uh, to your land. You have brought back the captivity of Jacob. You have forgiven the iniquity of your people. You have covered all their sin. You have taken away all your wrath. You have turned from the fierceness of your anger. Restore us, O God, of our salvation, and cause your anger toward us to cease. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger to all generations? Will you not revive us again, that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your mercy, Lord, and grant us your salvation. I will hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people and to his saints, but let them not turn back to folly. Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. Mercy and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed. Truth shall spring out of the earth, and righteousness shall look down from heaven. Yes, the Lord will give what is good, and our land will yield its increase. Righteousness will go before him and shall make his footsteps Our pathway, as for the reading of God's precious and infallible Word, dear congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes, as we look at the world around us and we see the many challenges in our society, we see the deconstruction of really all that is truth. We see how the Word of God is being deconstructed in our society, and what is good is called evil, and what is evil is called good. So often we see brokenness, even within our churches. We grieve when relationships between members are tense, when there's tensions in marriages, tensions between parents and children, Sometimes we're overwhelmed with all of these concerns and we become anxious, maybe even discouraged, maybe even tempted to just give up. Well, what better theme could we have than behold our God? As we've been looking at God's attributes over the past a uh, few weeks and months, we, we recognize that in Psalm 85, that's exactly what the psalmist is doing. He's reflecting on God's great salvation. In the first three uh, verses, he's saying, Lord, You have been favorable to our land. You, you have brought back the captivity of Jacob. You have forgiven the iniquity of Your people. You have covered all their sin. This great salvation in The Lord is His reflection. You have to remember that in Old Testament times, the land and salvation were closely tied together because when they could dwell in the land and rest in the land, it revealed the favor of God to them and His peace upon them. Well, we recognize that in the New Testament, especially after the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, that it's not about God's land and the land of Canaan as much as it is of His heavenly Canaan in, in heaven. Our hope is not in this world, but our citizenship, as Paul is in heaven. And this great salvation of the Lord does grant His peace eternally to be with Him forever, but also in our lives today and in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ also today. And therefore we are called to live out of Christ and His salvation knowing that in Him our sins are forgiven. And yet, the psalmist recognizes that not everything is as it ought to be. And so he prays for restoration. Restore us, O God of our salvation. Turn your anger away from us and revive us. That your people may rejoice in you. O oh Lord, show us your mercy and grant us your salvation. He's praying for true, complete restoration. And so what does he do is he's praying for this restoration. He waits on the Lord. He doesn't sit back in his rocking chair and, and just... Now, leave it up to God to work it all out. No, this is an active waiting, a listening to God's word. Notice what he says I will hear what the Lord will speak, for he shall speak peace to his people and to his saints. You see, he's been in the word, he's been digging in the word, knowing that there's peace revealed in the Lord. And He will speak that peace and show that salvation to all those who fear Him. You see, when we reflect on who our God is and His great salvation, we pray for restoration and revival and wait expectantly on God's promises, especially as we witness them even this morning in the Lord's Supper. May the Lord then be pleased to lift us out of our despondency Lift us out of discouragement and renew a joy in us in the Lord, a confidence in the Lord, and a peace in the Lord. May our theme be, dear discouraged Christian, look at the embrace of God's attributes at the cross where mercy and truth have met together, righteousness and peace have kissed. Let's see. Then the embrace of God's attributes at the cross, mercy and truth, have met together. What is this mercy? What is this attribute of God that's called mercy? Well, it's it's really a word in Hebrews, Chesed, and that word in Hebrew is is just filled with meaning. It's to love. It's to show grace. It's to be merciful. It's to have a a steadfast covenant love, the loving kindness of God. It's a sense of that inward sense of, of love and compassion that God has within Himself that flows out of a strong tie that God has toward His children. As a father pities His children, so the Lord has mercy and pities in a relational way all His children. And yet it's it's an eternal love. It's an eternal love that's born out of His unconditional choice of who His children are. It's based on that sovereign love and mercy that He's had from eternity. Where He's made a covenant within Himself to give His own Son to die for sinners. In order to bring them back into fellowship with God. It's His... Loving kindness, his steadfast love, his covenant love, and that's really what encourages and allows sinners, such as the psalmist, to come to the Lord and to plead for forgiveness, to plead for restoration, to to plead that the Lord would show us mercy, because it wasn't up to him and any of his or our merits. Because it's mercy. You see, to understand mercy, you need to recognize that we don't deserve it. In that sense, it's like grace. Grace and mercy are very closely connected. And yet mercy is... This could be slightly nuanced as well. But maybe children, to understand this, you, you think about coming home from school and you recognize that as you give your report card to your mom and she recognizes that you've been cutting class and, and there's notes in your report card that, boy, they're not, they're not so nice from the teacher. And your mom's reading it and she's very, very upset. She expected far more from you. And you knew that there was going to be a punishment coming. And so the punishment is that you have to spend two hours in your room in isolation. Remember, there's no phones or anything in your room. This isolation by yourself. It's only about 4:30. Supper's at 5:30. The first 15 minutes take forever. And you're just bored. And now you're wanting to be with your brothers and sisters, you're wanting to play games, you're wanting to be part of the family. And then you recognize shortly after it's going to be supper time. You're going to miss supper. You're not even going to be able to have a meal with your family. And you start hollering down the stairs to your mom, mom, have mercy on me. Allow me to come out of my room. Well, you don't really deserve it because the punishment was two hours in your room. You say, show me mercy. Mercy. Well, we recognize the same thing, don't we, when we think about it in biblical terms. We all deserve death. The wages of sin, the Bible says, is death. Isolation from God. Isolation from all that is good in God. A spiritual isolation from God. And one day, a physical isolation from our loved ones in death. And if we aren't right with the Lord, an eternal isolation in hell from all the goodness of God and all that we would ever think to enjoy even in this life for eternity. The psalmist recognizes this. It's not by anything he has done. It's not by any merit that he could do. And he cries out, show us your mercy. But remember God's holiness now, as we saw last week. His holiness in that He's unchangeable even in that holiness. He's so far above us, and and He's absolutely pure. How can He have mercy? Well, it's because mercy and truth have met together. They have a common bond. And the truth is, is also a characteristic of God. It means He's genuine and consistent and faithful in all of His actions. It's very clear from Scripture. God is truth. He communicates truth. His Word is truth. And therefore, His revelation of who He is in the Word, His character is truth. His works are truth. His law is truth. His Gospel is truth. The truth is that God is absolutely faithful and true. And this truth or God's faithfulness, it's, it's really, it's springing out of the earth, the psalmist says. And it's met perfectly in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice how they have met together as John reflects on this in John 1, as he beheld the glory of the only begotten of the Son of the Father, who was full of grace and truth. He's filled with mercy and truth. The Lord Jesus Christ is the union of mercy and truth in person. That's the truth of the gospel. As the Father declares, This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. Believe him. Find peace in him. Find mercy in him. The Son, He brings the truth. And He says, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He sends His Holy Spirit to lead us into all truth. And as a result, we as believers can, can have fellowship with the truth in mercy, to know the truth, to do the truth, to abide in the truth. That's, that's where it's meant, is, is really at the cross, where they beheld His glory and the satisfaction of God's just demands so that He could extend mercy to us. And this mercy cannot fail for sinners who cast themselves upon the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because really the the ground of it is in the truth of God and His eternal electing salvation. It's grounded in His covenant. It's grounded in His blood. His blood is sure because He is a God of mercy. To meet or is to really to have an encounter with and to have a common bond with. And really here the Scripture is is meeting the scriptural truths and the truth of who God is is meeting with His mercy and His mercy. Is what he delights in. If you look in his own word, he represents himself as merciful. He holds out that golden scepter of acceptance far more often than he he hauls out the rod of iron because he delights in mercy. His mercy sweetens all of his characteristics. His mercy is his glory. Last week we saw how His holiness makes Him so transcendent and really illustrious. But His mercy, it makes Him come down to us in grace and forgiveness. It makes Him make us right with Him to adopt us as His sons and daughters and to one day glorify us with Him forever. But how can you then meet a God who is holy in His mercy, and holy in His truth. This is where the second part of our text comes in. Righteousness and peace kiss at the cross. Righteousness and peace kiss at the cross. Righteousness is to have a a perfect ethical moral standard and to to apply that perfectly in judgment. It's really a courtroom context. It's, It's when When you have to come into a courtroom and you may have a a speeding ticket, that was that was had you have to pay now two hundred dollars in way of retribution. You owe that, you owe that two hundred dollars because you broke the law and it's justly, righteously administered, and you pay the what you owe. Well, let's think about this. God who has created us in perfect righteousness to live right. According to all of his demands, and we have sinned, and the results are death, separation, opposition to God, being enemies of God, the very opposite of peace. And yet, righteousness and peace have kissed, they're in harmony. Peace is what brings two opposing parties together to reconcile them, to be united in one, to be put into harmony. The word is shalom, peace. And how can this be possible? And again, it's through the Lord Jesus Christ who is the Prince of Peace. As we find in Ephesians 2 verse 14, For He, Christ Himself, is our peace. And it's through His work on the cross to satisfy the righteousness of God that we might have peace. You see, really this harmony of God's attributes is an eternal harmony within the Godhead itself and within God Himself as the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. In that eternal plan, in that eternal covenant made in eternity, God has said there will be peace for my people. I will give my only Son to die for sinners so that they might have peace with me, that they might have harmony with me. And there He reconciles His perfect righteousness and His perfect peace and His perfect mercy. There is fulfilled in time. as as truth and His faithfulness spring forth out of the earth. And righteousness is looking down from heaven as the Lord Jesus Christ takes upon Himself our flesh. He becomes a baby in Bethlehem and He grows and lives a life of perfection and even suffers a perfect death. That earth and heaven could again be made in harmony. Reconciled together. And especially that harmony that comes between God and man in a covenantal relationship. He comes as a personal Savior. As a covenantal Savior. He comes as a very Son of Man and the Son of God to make peace between God and man. And that's really the whole covenantal context of this. It's the reference to God's living relationship with His people. It means that God, who's made a covenant with Himself, who's made a covenant with His people, in truth, must administer that covenant to bring peace to His people. You see, Luther struggled with this for many years. He struggled with this question, how can I satisfy a God who is perfectly righteous? And what Luther and all of us need to come to understand is that God is as much righteous as as He is merciful and gracious and full of peace. He's a righteous God who's also a saving God. And these two attributes have kissed. They have not only a meeting, an encounter, and something in common, but they have an intimate relationship. God's divine human relationship is really forged in the context of covenant. The closest human relationships here on earth are to describe God's covenant and His mercy and His peace. And those are, first of all, marriage. He's preparing a bride for the bridegroom, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a father-son relationship. As he's called Israel out of Egypt and he calls them his sons and he adopts us as sons and daughters. This is an intimate relationship. His righteousness and peace have kissed to forge this relationship. And to also conform us in that relationship. That's why Paul says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. It brings obligations to us as well. Righteousness is required. To live in peace is also required of us. And yes, we fall short. And yet we need to flee again to the foot of the cross and cast ourselves on the mercy of God with confidence in His truth. And to know that He in righteousness will receive us through Jesus Christ. You see, what we do today is we stand in awe of God's holy justice as we behold the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, as we behold the Lord Jesus Christ Himself as the only begotten of the Father, the Son of His eternal love, having the just wrath of God being poured out upon Him as a perfect, righteous Lamb of God. You see, we understand that God judges rightly. And only by Christ's righteousness can we be saved. The Lord loves judgment and justice and righteousness as much as He does mercy. And He doesn't forsake His discouraged saints. No, He comes to us today and He says, Shalom, peace, Peace I bring to you. My peace I leave with you. Feast in my peace. Dwell in my peace. Therefore, let us go to the table to remember the peace that has been merited by Christ. To go with confidence in the blessing that He has promised as heaven and earth are reconciled, restored and revived and the And God and man are at peace, and brothers and sisters in peace. Then the psalmist states these promises of God. Yes, the Lord will give what is good, and our land will yield its increase. Righteousness will go before Him, and shall make His footsteps our pathway.